Welcome into the Mike Herndon Show. I am Mike Herndon. This is week nine uh, already. Uh, and uh, I am joined here by Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content for BroadwaySportsMedia.com, the website that brings you this show, as well as other great uh, Nashville sports content. Um, Easton, how are we doing? Uh, you, you got married since we last talked. I did. I got married and I'm very scattered um, this week. It's <laughs> been it's been a wild couple of weeks roller coaster ride, but I'm excited to be back and doing something that's a little bit uh, part of the routine here. How are you? How's your week been? I, I've not been able to really catch up with anybody this past week. I've been so busy. Yeah, so I, I've, I've had a sick kiddo this week, so that's been oh, a no. an, an adventure, but he's better today and off at, uh, at preschool. So I know a lot of people that have gotten sick this week. I think there's something going around. But uh, Oh, for other, sure. For sure. Other than that, we've got a lot of Titans to talk about today. And uh, as usual, we're going to get into a significant film room portion of the show. A lot of, I think, pretty exciting clips to get into this week while the the game on Sunday was not the most exciting game in the world. There was, from a Titans perspective, there were some really nasty plays to get into that I saw on film. I've not gone through and, and seen what exactly you've pulled, but I'm assuming a lot of the same stuff is going to be in there, and I'm excited to break it down. Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, so I'll admit that I actually had more fun watching this game than just about any Titans game since like but it was a year. sicko kind of fun like it was a dirty kind of fun it was not it you know was. what i mean like it was gross it was it was like i can't believe they're letting them continue to do this to them. <laughs> like it is amazing like, they can't keep getting away with this and they just did over and over yeah it exactly it's kind of fun it was kind of a dirty pleasure watch and uh we can dive into the film anywhere here do you want to you want to jump into a little bit of the run game first yeah, let's let's start with uh, you know Derrick Henry and the historic performance. You know, uh, he had a pretty nice day. Yeah, yeah, pretty decent day. Uh, you know, about average as he goes against the Texans. Against um, the Texans, yeah. yeah. And that average just happens to be the best running back in the history of the league. Yeah, so. it's insane. Yeah, two hundred nineteen yards, two touchdowns, and his fourth consecutive game hitting two hundred yards and two touchdowns minimum against the Texans. That that is. One of those stats that, like, I cannot imagine that ever being broken. Uh, where there's a, no a way has a streak that long of that much dominance against one team. That is, there's no way that's happening again. Mike, we were talking about this on the Hot Read podcast earlier this week. In the same way that I think that Aaron Judge's home run record this past season is kind of a Mickey Mouse record because of the short porch they have in Yankee Stadium, sure. is it possible that this six games? Um, of 200 yards, two touchdowns or more by Derrick Henry is kind of a baloney record because four of them came to the Texans and that doesn't really count like that. <laughs> it's kind of cheating a little bit that he gets to keep playing against this terrible Texans franchise. Yeah, they, they are really bad. And and like they're, they're a bad run defense. But honestly, I don't think they've given up 200 yards and two touchdowns to any other running back in that span. I, I'm, I may have to fact check that here. But, we need to look into uh, that, but maybe you're yeah. right. So uh, well, it is It is still quite an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, here's this first clip is uh, a little bit of a, a highlight of the offensive line as much as anything else. Yeah. So, and that's the, that's the thing. So Der obviously Derek Henry was fantastic in this game and, and continues to be just an absolute superstar, but the offensive line, and I know people bag on them for the pass protection, and, and we have as well, and, and they deserve it, quite frankly. But as a run-blocking unit, they are really, really getting going, especially the interior trio uh, you know, of Brewer, Jones, and Davis. And, and this is the, the three that you really need to look at on this play. Because the, watching Davis and Brewer, the way they're athletically able to climb to the second level against these linebackers, is super special for guards. I mean, obviously we've talked a little bit about Brewer kind of being a unique athlete before. And, and Davis is uh, is a really good athlete for a guard as well. But these guys are just unbelievable at reaching linebackers and, and getting, you know, just a flush contact and just opening up these huge holes. I mean, look at the hole that they've got here. There's nobody within five yards of Derrick Henry that is uh, unblocked um it, when he hits the line of scrimmage here and so i mean it, it's not a huge gain i mean it's a well by by <laughs> derrick henry versus Derek Texan henry standards. standards right it's not a huge gain here it's uh, i think seven or eight yards but 
one of the interesting things about this series was they were uh, first and goal from the 14 because they had a penalty, one of several false starts that they had in this game, which I think is largely due to cadence issues with a new quarterback under center. But mm-hmm. um, they ran the ball four times and scored from the 14 yard line. So the ability to just line up on first and four, first and goal from the 14 and just run the ball straight down their throats into the end zone is uh is pretty special stuff so that that is uh that was a fun series there but that that blocking uh in that interior trio is is just some really amazing stuff and here's another one of those runs in the in the red zone area yeah this was on fourth down right here yeah this was the fourth down right this is the easiest touchdown you'll you'll ever see derrick henry score a thousand percent yeah i mean the, the blocks to highlight here are really uh you know Petit Frere and Raiden's really Raiden's in is the the jumbo tackle to the left on the screen there of, of Petit Frere right as you're looking at the formation but uh they they just completely cave in the edge they're they're then, in duo here again as well right like they're they're running quite a bit of duo these days yeah and, and this is uh you know if you watch Stingley the corner out there 24 wants zero part of of Swaim um which swaim i really he he literally runs away from swaim in the end zone he doesn't even (laughs) attempt to (laughs) yeah there's there's no effort there whatsoever to to take on that block um but swaim i love the design here with them sending swaim in jet motion and using him as a lead blocker there because it doesn't give the defense a chance to react to the numbers change right so they shift the strength of the formation here but they do it as they're snapping the ball. So the, the Texans linebackers don't get the chance to bump over and reset, which is really what gives them the clear edge on that play and, and makes it for a nice design. So like, that's a, a really nice detail that they're working in on that goal line call there. So, you know, I know like, like Todd Downing takes a lot of shit uh, as an offensive coordinator and, and a lot and of right it rightfully so. so. Yeah. But some of the run game design stuff that they do is really, really good. Um, and I think, I think Todd Downing is an, is actually an above average, maybe even quite good play designer. Yeah. I think that's, it's his judgment in calling such plays that is really suspect. He struggles with, I think some of the game flow stuff, like being able to have a feel for, uh, the game and when to, when to hit certain things. Um, and, and also think he, Still struggles like I still don't love the spacing on some of their past concepts and things like that. Although everyone's favorite, you know, assistant coach Tim Kelly is the passing game coordinator, so he has a large say in what those passing concepts look like. So I, I think you know, I know we we aren't allowed to say bad things about him because he's the one that's going to fix the offense magically whenever they fire Downing, but that some of that's got to go on on Tim Kelly in my opinion. So I. I think it's uh, this though, from a game plan standpoint, absolutely loved what they did. They, they ran the ball a million different ways. They had, they basically went deep into their bag as a run attack and just hit them with everything you could think of. Um, I mean, they, they Which ran stuff, the Titans is a very deep bag. Absolutely. And they ran stuff that I'd never seen before. Like that, yeah. that jet motion lead. I'd never seen them run that before. I'd never seen them run. Uh, I think there was a play before that, that was new where, where, uh, Malik Willis kind of looks like he's running a read option, but then Derrick Henry actually turns into a lead blocker. It's really like yeah. play action QB power somehow, which is is kind of a different look. But um, they they really got into uh, you know some deep deep cuts <laughs> of the run game, and it was very effective. Yeah, well, here's another the biggest run of Henry's season, if I'm not mistaken, the 41 mm-hmm. yard run early in the game. Was this yeah. the second play of the game? It was very believe, early on. I believe so. Yeah, it was very early. No, this one wasn't the 41 yarder. This uh Oh gotcha. This, okay. Yeah, this was the the bounce outside here. So Mislabeled. this is the one that to me uh kind of signifies Henry being being back back, you know? Okay. Um, August three. Because this uh this jump cut that he makes to attack the edge and get to the corner, this is something that he's done throughout his career. I mean, that's where really where that stiff arm uh comes from you know that's most of the time when he posterizes someone with a stiff arm it's because he's taking a run like this and he just bounces it because he thinks he can beat the corner and just shoves byron you know uh not byron i keep wanting to call him byron stingley Uh, yeah (laughs) Derek stingley Derek stingley shoves his uh face in the dirt here and i mean that that one's not quite as bad honestly because stingley just didn't 
put up as much of a fight as like Josh Norman or uh, what was the Bynes uh, from Bynes, Detroit yeah. that got it really bad. Uh, but this well, is he just was wise to do so. Yeah, yeah. He, he he just gets you know he's on his back looking at at the run after that. I mean the blocking here is you know mostly fine. Um, and honestly, Petit Frere kind of whiffs on on his block, which is ultimately why Henry sees the opportunity to bounce. But um, that is the kind of run that when Derrick Henry is right, right, that is the kind of stuff he can do because that wasn't necessarily a perfectly blocked run. That was just him being, you know, an apex predator kind of athlete and making something happen. Yeah, and here I believe that I've found this is the video of the 41-yarder, if I'm not mistaken. So here's that big run we were talking about. Yeah, I think this is it. And this one so, is definitely well blocked. Yeah, this, this one's well blocked. And double the, double motion there from the blockers. Yeah, and I like yeah some of that stuff. They did a lot with motion in this game to try to uh, kind of mess with the Texans' um, eyes and make them hesitate just a little bit. Um, and they end up using... Uh, I think it's a Conquo there to to kick out the edge. Um, and he does a great job here. Conquo's blocking has really come along uh, as the season's gone on. I, I, think, I think ultimately it's the reason you've seen him getting more run out there because yeah. as warped as this coaching philosophy may be, that's the way the tight ends get on the field for this team. It is. I mean, you, it, when you've got Derrick Henry, you're going to use him. And when you're going to use him, you got to block. So that sure. is uh that is a Conquo, uh, you know, kicking out this edge. But then the the key block to me on this one is, is really Aaron Brewer, who starts off with a double uh, with uh, our buddy Double D uh, on, on the three technique here, but then peels off just at the right time to hook this linebacker. And that that gives Henry the, the opening. And then from there, it's just Henry being a freak, right? Like, yep. and this is, again, you know, he gets in the open field here. Watch him. He just completely leaves 32 in the dust. He stiff arms 36 to the ground. And then he's uh, off to the races here. And like, it's pretty rare that he gets caught from behind on a play like this. Uh, that was like an angle thing more to me because it, that's kind of I mean, what I thought too. Yeah. Look, this corner, it's a cornerback, I, I believe, number five who ends yeah. up tracking him down. He's uh, got a straight. Uh, Steven Nelson. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Well, nonetheless, yeah. it's a defensive back that has a straight line to him. And Henry, in, in incidentally, runs into his path there. I don't think. Yeah. I'm not sure he knew he was there as he kind of widened there because he was trying to get the angle to throw exactly. the step arm on the safety, and I'm not sure he knew the corner was now that, that close. That does take us into a question that I wanted us to to address today. That being said, I, I think you and I agree that it was more of an angle thing on that play than anything, but at this point, we're halfway through the season, which is crazy. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like we can say with confidence that maybe Derek has lost a half, a quarter step yeah. of his top end speed. Yeah. But, and and you can agree or disagree with me on this. I think, I think he's actually refined his abilities as a runner in other areas more. Like, I think overall, this is still in that game in particular, he looked like the best that we'd seen him as an overall runner. He seems more well-rounded today than maybe he ever has in his career. What are your thoughts on him as a runner right now? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with that analysis there. I, I think he's, his top end, like his fifth gear is not quite there uh, like it used to be, but his jump cuts, his ability to uh, make guys miss in open field and, and obviously the power and physicality which with which he runs with because when Derek was starting his career here you know he was huge and everyone expected him to be like this physical downhill guy but he really wasn't that he was a scat back in a, a poor decisiveness and poor vision just crippled yeah. him to begin his career right yeah and and he wasn't necessarily you know putting his head down between the tackles into messy uh reads and just pushing the pile right that, that wasn't his game so much but now he definitely does that uh and he had you know he still has all the other stuff that, that makes him special i think he's i mean he to me he's still the best back in the nfl from a uh, you know just talent right. standpoint and, and he's added some of the passing game stuff this year which kind of rounds his game out as well so yeah i think he's definitely found another level with some of the stuff that, that kind of is replacing some of that, that top end home run hitter stuff. Not that, I, you know, I think he's still going to break one for, you know, 60, 70 yards at some Green. point this season, but um, you know, he, they, there may not be, you know, seven of those this year. There might only be one or two. I, I watch him play right now. And I, 
there's maybe nothing else with this team that I've seen more dramatically shift from week one to week eight than his vision. I'm not sure he's ever had sharper vision as a runner than he than he has right now, which if you remember back to the Giants game, the Bills game, like we were kind of questioning, maybe he's a little rusty because it doesn't seem like he's seeing the field all that well right now. Flash forward two months and it feels like he is seeing it better than he ever has. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it is, you know, him getting comfortable with the guys in front of him. I mean, obviously, you know, Brewer being a new guy and, and you know, Daly and Nicholas Petit-Frere. I mean, you've had a lot of change over on that offensive line and it takes a little bit of time, you know, to get comfortable with, hey, you know, this guy's going to see it the same way I am and I need to be able to read off of him or set him up for success. Um, it, it takes a little bit of time to get that timing down. And it's also a thing where every year, every year with Derek Henry, every year with his running game, Every year with this offensive line, as the year goes on, they get better and better and better, um, and, and they start to find their rhythm. It's almost like they they have to get a lather up, uh, you know, before <laughs> they really start to to hit their stride. Yep. But um, it feels like they're there, you know. And look, it's the it's the Texans, whatever. And and by the way, I I did look up running backs who have rushed for over two hundred yards and two touchdowns in a game against the Texans all time. Derrick Henry's done it four times. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has done it once. Larry Johnson in 2005. Okay. So maybe it's is, not cheating. It pretty rare. Not not everybody yeah. is doing it. So all right, all right, sounds good. Well, uh, I, I have the next clip queued up, but I now I've got questions flooding my my psyche. What were your <laughs> thoughts on what were your thoughts on Double D in this game? You know, he, he was okay as a run blocker. He's still, I mean, he's lethargic. Like he's just slow. He's slow footed. There's another play where where Brewer knocks him down. Actually, this time it's. Uh, it's a double team and I might have that clip in here. I'm not totally sure. Um, but you know, it's a double team block and Brewer just tosses his man to the ground and Daly's trying to kind of help, but kind of just whiffs and falls down and doesn't block anybody again. And again, it's one of those runs where Derrick Henry doesn't matter. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't block anyone, but still it's a 20 yard gain or whatever it was. (laughs) Right. Um, but yeah, Daly, (laughs) It was probably his best game, uh, you know, since uh, taking over the starting job here. But that's a super low bar. It, it yeah, was not super necessarily great. It wasn't a plus performance, but it was just he didn't kill them, mostly because he didn't have to pass protect for pretty much the whole game. Um, yep. I think the one sack that people kind of blamed him for, I, looking back at it, I really thought it was on Malik Willis more so than anything, just holding the ball. Um, so I, I felt like he was okay uh, in this game. No real big gaffes. Um, but yeah, here's here's another run. This is the one that actually gets called back for holding on Nicholas uh, or Nick Westbrook Akina. Which I feel is like ridiculous. once a week we have one of these, right? I feel like three or four weeks in a row now we have reviewed film of a phantom holding call. There was the Traylon Burks one against Washington, maybe. Um, there have been a couple where it's it's uh, been like what or against India where it's like what is going on. Yeah, I, I have no idea what, what they want Nick Westbrook to do here. I, I think Grable the refs was, are just like, this guy's terrorizing this team. We got to give him something. <laughs> something. Him There's no way here. he can be doing this. Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely wild. But yeah, I mean, again, like great blocking from Brewer. Brewer absolutely gets on his man and rides him all the way out of the play. Um, Kevin Rader does a nice job uh, blocking. Uh, they kind of used him as the fullback in this game. Uh, replacing Tory Carter. Um, and look, Kevin Rader's been good for them. That's been one free agent addition, uh, you know, or practice squad guy that they picked up that I, every time I watch him, I kind of feel like, hey, you know, he's doing something pretty nice. Like I, I notice him way more for good things than I do bad things. And it's usually, I, he hasn't caught a pass, right? So he's a run blocker. That He's basically a, a mobile tackle at this point. But he also right. does a lot on special teams. I think he's like tied for the team lead in special teams tackles, even though he arrived midseason. Um, he's been good. He, he's a nice little piece for that. He has but, been. Um, you know, yeah, the totally phantom hold here, but the the blocking's great. Uh, you know, and, and Henry just continuing to be special. So our next clip. I apologize for the wait being a little funky on us here. Here we go. This was a uh, long touchdown from Derrick Henry on his own oh, read yeah. look. This is this is just total freak stuff. And this is yeah. this is one, you know, I saw some people and we'll get we'll talk to talk about Malik Willis and his performance after the break. But um this is one thing where I, I think Willis did help a little bit the running game. I thought some people were like, Well, Malik Willis being in clearly helped Derrick Henry uh, a ton in this game. And I, I, 
I don't think I'm buying that narrative generally. Now, this play specifically, I think he helps a little bit because, uh, you know, maybe the, the end is a little bit more prone to collapse on Ryan Tannehill, though Tannehill still can run the football. And I think everyone knows that Tannehill can run the football. I think people do respect him uh, on those read, uh, read runs. So I, I'm not sure I totally buy it, but look, you see the end, he's unblocked, they're reading him, he stays home. Uh, and, and that's really all they need. But, you know, the blocks here, Davis washes his man down, Nicholas petit Frere, Ben Jones get get their blocks on the linebackers, and then it's just Derrick Henry. I mean, like, that cut right there is just special. Um, you know, it, it is there's, – there's other backs that can do that, but none of them are six foot three and 260 pounds, you know, so – And none of them can carry a 30-carry-per-game workload. Exactly. I mean, the, the footwork and the feet – and then, like – you turn around and you, you move the ball into the off hand so you can use the stiff arm, get inside the pylon, all that stuff. It, it's all there. Uh, and then the last thing I'll point out on this run is, is watch Aaron Brewer 55 again, like Aaron Brewer's got pass protection issues. I, I get that. Like that is a problem, but he gets after it in the run game. And, Dude, and I, here's my, here's my thought on Aaron Brewer. Tell me if this is a crackpot take. If, if, if you could design, like if you had no constraints on roster construction, Aaron Brewer would be like the perfect for a for a Mike Vrabel who just gets so excited to run the ball down your throat. He would be he would be to a Mike Vrabel like Taysom Hill was to a Sean Payton, <laughs> where it's like I want to yeah. use this guy's this guy in very specific circumstances. If we had a stud pass protection guard that we could sw- swap out <laughs> with with Aaron Brewer on a regular basis to only handle our run blocking. It would be an ideal situation because this guy's sure. so good at one thing. It's just he's not great at the other things. He is. Yeah. And, and like, I think, I think maybe he'll get better as a, as a pass blocker as he goes. He's still a young guy kind of learning, uh, you know, NFL speed, NFL. Well, power, I stand by that. if you get, if you get a competent left tackle, both run blocker, but importantly, pass protector to, yeah. to put next to him, that he would look a lot better. I think he's, so too. Cause... He's in no position to, he needs, he he is a he's the sidecar to the to the motorcycle. When he has to be yes. the motorcycle in the pass protection, it's rough. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and but I mean, yeah, here he just you know gets after this defensive tackle and then like just log rolls him over. Just, yeah. um, but you just love I love the way he plays. Like he is ferocious out there, and you have to be if you're going to be a six one two ninety or whatever he is uh, guard in the NFL. But I just love the way he plays. Like this block didn't make this run. Like he could have just made a standard backside block basically here. Um, but it's, I just love the way he plays. And, and one other one, one more, one more thing on that run, that, that play, you know, a lot of times that inside zone read, which is what that is. They will run that to the front side and give Henry an opportunity to cut that back. But that appears to me that that was a design cutback because everyone just blocks down. Like Nate Davis doesn't even try to reach uh, the uh, nose tackle here. So he, watch Nate Davis, 64 at the right guard. He doesn't even try to reach him. Like he's watching yeah. him the whole way, um, which tells me they designed that to be a design cutback off of inside zone, which again is another like little detail that helps this team in the run game. That is different. I, I thought, you know, it, there was a lot of that in this game where I thought they got really creative in the run game and helped, you know, if you're going to run the ball, what, what they ended up run the ball 40 something times in this game. Yeah. If you're going to run the ball that many times. You're going to have to get pretty creative because there's only so many times you can just slam, you know, outside zone, inside zone duo at them uh, without dressing it up a little bit. Uh, you know, even if you are executing at a high level, like they were. Right. Yeah. I agree. From a layman's perspective, when I watched this tape back, the thing that stuck out stood out to me most in the run game was in seemingly th- this this probably comes across as that like well duh yeah that that applies to anybody but I don't think it applies to anybody more than it does the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry the theme of their run game and blocking in the run game is get Derrick cleanly back to the line of scrimmage because with Derrick Henry that is all you need to do if you can yeah. get him three four five clean steps it's over it's ball yeah. game you'll run for two hundred yards every single time and they did that so well in this game yeah he he runs through arm tackles better than anybody and then once he's once he's in the open field he's an absolute nightmare because you you see guys 
defenders treat him differently in the open field. You know, they, they aren't going to come downhill and, and try to make a tackle like they would anyone else. Cause they're afraid of getting posterized or, or just getting flat run over. Um, and sometimes you, you see people react a little different way, which gives them a few extra yards and opportunities. So yeah, getting Derrick Henry to the second level, always a good thing. Well, to continue our fanboy session on Derrick Henry and, and uh, Aaron Brewer, this one was labeled Derrick Henry, nice run through a violent pancake from Brewer. So I'd imagine this is, is going to be a lot of the same right here. Yeah, this is the play that uh, that, <laughs> that I mentioned with Dennis Daly falling down. He's, oh, he's, no. Okay. Henry has to jump over him again. Uh, but you see Brewer Brewer and Daly are double teaming the, the three tech right there. Uh, but Brewer really just takes him and just shoves him to the ground. I mean, <laughs> Daly does nothing right here. That's yeah, amazing. Daly thinks he's going to get some resistance, which is why he ultimately falls down. And he just has nothing there because Brewer's already tossed him <laughs> out of the club. You know, it, it's just, um, it's fun to watch this group, especially, like I said, the interior trio, because um, they just get after it. I mean, they are playing great football. Davis here, you get, get a wonderful uh, pull and kick out block from him on this little uh, trap look that they're running. It, it, this is really, really fun. Uh, really fun blocking to watch. I mean, it, this is just it, like, it's, it is offensive line football porn is really what this whole yeah, game. A thousand was. percent. Yes. So we've got a, a handful more Henry runs. We'll just kind of, we'll, we'll cycle through here. We'll flip through them. Cause I feel like we've addressed most everything there is to address <laughs> Henry. Very good. Very back. Titans run blocking very good. Uh, they just need to learn how to pass protect at all. Yeah. And I, I mentioned, you know, Derek Henry this week uh, in my poll, uh, piece for Polkorski.com, um, how close he probably is to the Hall of Fame as, as far as just having his spot secure. Like it, you could make an argument for him right now for the Hall of Fame, but, you know, statistically, he's probably not quite there um if if you look at all the the guys that have gotten in and guys that well, have he messes around this year and does another 2k that's going to be the lock right i mean that yeah, that all if, but secures it if if you get two 2000 yard seasons i think you have to be in for sure um and, and then the other the other milestone i think if you get to 10,000 yards um you know there's zero running backs that are going to end up not being in the hall of fame adrian peterson is in this group but has not made it in yet because he just retired obviously mm -hmm. um but all of the running backs who have reached 10,000 yards and 100 rushing touchdowns have gone into the Hall of Fame. So obviously, is Frank Gore is he in that category as well? He is not. No. I, I okay. Think okay. I was about to the, say because that that would have been the breaker. I think I'm not sure he's going to get in. So, so yeah. Is, is yeah. he the hundred yard, hundred touchdowns that he doesn't have? I think it's the hundred touchdowns that he doesn't. He's got to have 10,000 yards. There's just Probably. no way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, as gotcha. long as he played, I'm pretty sure he did. Um, but yeah, it is um, almost a lock. And Henry is at. I think it's 75 touchdowns or no, 74 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns and 74 rushing. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and he's at 70, about 7,500 yards roughly, which if he continues on his current pace, he will hit 10,000 yards late next season. Uh, and he will probably, he will probably be around a hundred touchdowns late next season too. So by the end of next year, he could pretty much have a cemented hall of fame candidacy if uh if he continues at his current pace well and what that tells me is even if the pace doesn't continue because right now he is back at his kind of breakneck pace an injury can derail that father time can derail that if he plays three definitely four more seasons at all in it really any role he's gonna he's gonna reach those benchmarks there's oh, just no sure. there's no way as long as he does not retire in the next two years i think it's a lock yeah, I agree. And, and I think the way they redid his contract and everything, he uh, he will be here next year um, at a very minimum. Um, well, and that's an interesting conversation we don't have to get deep into. But this this team, I don't I think Derrick Henry is one of the rare players where talking about money and age and past trends with running backs and roster construction construction philosophy. I think all of those things are out the window. With a guy like Derek, I'm not sure there's anybody in the league that means more to their team's identity than Derrick Henry does to the Titans. And yeah, we saw them continue the same identity with Derrick Henry, Walmart versions of Derrick Henry last year when he went out. And they're able to do that. And part of that is just their culture is fantastic. But with Derek on the team, I just see him as a guy, as long as the wheels aren't completely off and he's like, you know, a disaster, like can't stay on the field can't get more than two yards per carry kind of guy. If he's still got legs at all, I don't see any reason why this team wouldn't. 
I expect them to hang on to him longer than they probably should is what I'm ultimately saying because I of the see culture. That. Yeah, I could see that. I, I think he and Jeffrey Simmons are, are like the, they're the cornerstones of this franchise on both sides of the ball right now. Like right there, they are the, you know, they're freaks among freaks physically, but they are so physical, so powerful. And this is a team that wants to be physical and powerful above all else. That is, that is their ethos. That is their, uh, you know, calling card is they are a physical beat you up, hit you in the mouth team. And no two players uh, embody that more than Derrick Henry and Jeffrey Simmons really probably in the whole league. I mean, those are the two guys that are like, man, you want to talk about just a beast. Those two guys are beasts. <laughs> I yep, mean, it, it's unbelievable. So here is, we, we, we've exhausted our Derrick Henry film. This one <laughs> is the tight. We're bringing the Titans defense in here. Uh, yeah. What stood out to you on this play? So this is, uh, this is a nice play that I wanted to highlight really from, uh, you know, a coverage standpoint, you know, Bud Dupree gets a sack here eventually, but, the Titans secondary had a fantastic week. PFF had some uh, stats out this week where they, they measure what they consider perfectly covered plays, which, you know, basically means everybody's on their man, you know, no busted coverage, um, you know, within a, you know, a no dramatic or, separation, or yeah, right. No big separation. So 75% of the Titans snaps or the, the Texans dropbacks in this game, the Titans were graded as perfect coverage which is extreme outlier. It, it, the next highest last week was the Niners, I believe, had 50%. Wow. Um, and wait, what so was the Titans percentage again? 75%. Wow. That's that's incredible. Yeah. It's a huge, huge gap from one to two. The Texans' um, watch receivers are so bad. Wow, yeah. that is dramatic. I mean, the Titans have really good cornerbacks that are coming yeah. to their own, but I, I can almost guarantee you that number will be probably half of that this week against the Chiefs. Slight upgrade. It, it, it'll it'll be less it'll be less for sure but it is a testament to how like these young corners are coming along i think more so than anything because christian fulton was phenomenal in this game roger mccreary was also phenomenal in this game uh fulton graded out with a hundred percent perfect coverage uh rate in this game um uh, mccreary uh, graded out at 95 or 93.5 percent um which was the highest wow. among all rookie corners in the league uh it's got to so, be his best game this year yeah, I would I would say so. And look, both McCreary and Petit Frere since week, uh, you know, since that Four. bye week okay, have five, really taken six, steps yeah. forward. Um, and what did we talk about on this show about how yeah. a lot of times rookies pre buy post buy, it's a pretty dramatic change. Yeah, and both of them have have seen that happen. I mean, McCreary McCreary was excellent in this game. Fulton, you know, the the interception obviously was, uh, you know, the uh memorable play for Fulton which he you know beautifully picks uh you know navigates through a pick route uh and, and gets the interception on you know yeah it's it's a poor throw from Davis Mills who should have put the ball back shoulder on, on his receiver reading that leverage um but either way Fulton it was in position that it wasn't going to be a first down anyways um so Fulton makes the play and and stops uh stops that drive on the edge of the red or on the edge of the, like the scoring zone uh field goal range so did Terrence Mitchell get much run in this game he played a decent amount um I meant to they, ask you this last week is it time yeah. for us to give maybe not flowers but a flower to Terrence Mitchell for his uh him overcoming the adversity that he faced early in his Titans career yeah, I actually think so. I actually think he's been solid for really going back to probably the Washington game. Um, and he's really not given up a ton. He's he's not playing uh, you know quite as much as he was at that point because they've tried to get uh McCreary back outside more often. And that you know obviously against the Colts they were running a bunch of hooker uh snaps in the slot. Yeah, the Andrew Adams changed um, the math entirely there. Yeah, and, and then this last week, you know, McCreary played more in the slot this last week than he did against Indy. But, um, you know, the Texans had a lot of heavy personnel in this game. So there was more snaps with with McCreary outside just because the Titan, Titans were in base defense more than they had been the previous week. So um, McCreary, to me, looks way more natural outside. I, I think that's where he needs to be. And that's why I think Elijah Molden returning is, is a big deal for this defense, even more so than like, I think Elijah Molden is a fine football player uh i think he's a playmaker and and things like that you know he may not be the you know most like lockdown corner in the league or anything like that he's he's not 
that special. But come on, Mike, he's he the Jedi of the slot. What are you talking that's about? That's right, the Jedi of the slot. I mean, he is like he's a playmaker in there. Like he is he is a guy that's going to disrupt. Your point is it's not his individual impact, it's that's right. what the impact that him returning has on the rest of the defense. That's right. It's, it bumps McCurry up to his natural natural spot, allows him to play better and, and gives them a guy who is it improves two positions by by bringing back one guy. Yeah, but it's addition by addition for sure. Yeah. So in this this snap here, I mean, like Fulton at the top of the screen, just a beautiful job reading the quarterback's eyes the whole time on this play. Like he he's got responsibility for uh, the the flat here, but as soon as he sees Mills kind of move off of that and go, he turns towards, it into triple coverage back there. I mean, it's, yeah. He, yeah. He bails out and, and is right in position. I mean, honestly, that's probably a pick if that's a well-thrown ball. So uh, Fulton, some of the stuff that – he's always been a good cover guy. Like, he's always had coverage skills and, and been able to get up and, and run and press man and do all that stuff. But what he's really improved on to me is, like, his eyes and discipline and understanding how to play these coverages. Um, and then also his physicality coming down and tackling. Like he had a he had a tackle for loss in this game that was a really nice play on a, a wide receiver screen. And then, uh, yeah, because I, I think his his, his total, tackling I think quietly maybe the biggest area of improvement for him this year because he was yeah. an abysmal tackler, just bad. Yeah, he was he was early on. He's he's gotten a lot better in that regard. But he's uh, he's playing at a super high level at the moment. Obviously, uh, you know this game he was targeted seven times, allowed one completion for negative three yards which was that wide receiver screen that he blew up and then had the pick, obviously. So a literal zero uh, quarterback rating throwing to him, which, you know, if you throw the ball in the dirt, I think the quarterback rating is like 40 or something like that. So <laughs> um, if they'd just thrown it out of bounds seven times, they would have had a better rating. Well, here's a little love for McCreary. Here's a nice play by him. Yeah, this is this is McCreary's in the slot on this play, and he is uh, – they're trying to get a little rub wheel route going. So they're, they're running – trying to get McCreary kind of caught up in the traffic here is uh, I think that's Mitchell. Yeah. That's Mitchell on the outside uh, at the top of the screen pressed up uh, and you know, McCreary does a good job avoiding the traffic, but then just running right in the hip pocket with uh, Philip Dorsett, which look Dorsett isn't a great receiver by any means, but he can run. Um, he, he was a four, three, three guy, I think coming out of Miami. Um, and so McCreary running step for step down the sidelines with him here. Um, kind of shows off some of McCreary's athletic abilities, um, but just really good coverage, just getting in phase and just staying right there in the hip pocket, staying connected, uh, and then getting his head up, looking back for the ball at the last minute here too, even though it's 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 overthrown, so it, it wasn't uh, um, like he had to make a play on it. Right. Just making sure we don't have any more secondary to get in here because we have got a bevy of Jeff Simmons love and now <laughs> I believe that's all we have for the secondary. So our last, our last segment for the uh, film room here, let's just go down the line. We got some Simmons and Autry as well, but Simmons in particular, man, he had himself a game. Yeah. Yeah. Coming off three DNPs uh, during the week with that ankle sitting out all of practice. What did we I say last know- week? He does not. This guy doesn't need to practice. He's getting. Yeah, he, does, he did not need to practice. He was perfectly fine. Maybe they should just not have him practice the rest of the season. Because <laughs> it uh, may be if that's what it happens, then yeah. Season best seven pressures in this game. Absolutely dominated. I mean, like, just snap in, snap out, and, and like it. You could. You really could not tell if if he was feeling anything on that ankle. You could not tell here. Here, you know, he doesn't end up getting the pressure himself. But it, you watch how quickly he beats the right guard and forces the center to pick him up. And that leaves Autry, you know, Autry beats the other guard. So when you've got two guys that both win and there's only one help help blocker, you're going to have a good time. And so Autry gets a, a free run here and crushes. Do some Dave quick maths on that one. It's a pretty good recipe for success, I'd say. Yeah. And Mar- Mario Edwards joining the, the party there in the backfield too. This next uh, one is a uh, blown up play of of the rookie. He's picking on Kenyon Green here for a tackle uh, for a loss. Yeah. yeah, this one, you know, everybody probably remembers this one, but uh, whenever you can throw a 320-pound first-round pick guard into the running back uh, to make him tackle him. <laughs> Does <laughs> Jeffrey Simmons nice. lead the league in the last two years in tackles made using opponents? He probably does. He probably I mean, they, does. They are, 
there are a lot of examples I can think of where he just walks a guard back into, you know, whoever's got the ball, whether it's quarterback <laughs> or, or the running back. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I made the joke on Twitter, I think, during the game that, like, I feel like sometimes Jeffrey Simmons just gets bored uh, during a game and just decides he's going to show off, you know, do like a feat of strength, like, uh, like a, you know, picking up a full a strong man competition, throwing it over a wall hey, or something like out. that. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's like, uh, I think this play, I'm just going to bench press this guard uh, right into <laughs> a running back. You know, yeah. Hey, y'all check what? this out. This is about to blow your mind. Yeah. Here, hold my beer. Watch this. Yeah, exactly. Here he is blowing up a zone. Look, another run play that went nowhere. The Texans, I, I feel bad. I hyped up Damian Pierce last week, who I still think is a very good runner, by the way. But this yeah. Titans run defense, I mean, it is it is the best in the league right now, and I don't think it's particularly close. Yeah, it's it's ferocious. I mean, you look at the <laughs> numbers. And without help, right? That's the key is, like, they are getting all of this run defense without stacking the box. Doesn't matter. Yeah. They have the guys in there. It's all they need. That's right. I mean, the, you can see it right here. I mean, they're playing too, too deep. I mean, there's only six guys in this box against six blockers. That is a run look for the Texans all the way. And it doesn't matter because Jeffrey Simmons is better than the guy that you've tried trying to block him with and he blows it up. And then David long ends up coming through uh, to clean it up for the tackle for loss eventually here. But I mean, the way these guys play up front, particularly Simmons Dupree and tart completely control the line of scrimmage completely. Yep. They never get moved off the ball ever. It just does not happen. And it makes it really hard to run when you get no vertical push because it uh, just, you're just running into a picket fence at that point. So it's um, it's really fun to watch this group operate. I mean, like the rushing yards that they've given up over the last four games are 38, 43, 65, 43. Um, and I mean, write that down, fantasy players. If you running backs playing the Titans that week, it's a, good as a buy. Don't yeah, play. It is, sit them out. It, it is, and they aren't giving up any rushing touchdowns either. I mean, they they haven't been they haven't given up a rushing touchdown I think since Saquon Barkley, uh, yeah. in week one. So. It, this defense and, and that allows them to do a lot on the back end too, right? Because they are fully able to control the run up front with that defensive line. And that allows them to, to mix and match coverages and not, they don't have to worry about bringing safeties up into the run fit necessarily because they, they got it like that. They, they have it. So it is really fun to watch. And, you know, anytime you can make a team completely one dimensional, it helps like that. That is going to help. Well, here's the base, basic equation and the reason why they're the best run defense in the league. And this has to be the thinking of the coaches, right? If if, it, if we are willing to play six on six blockers versus run defenders and we've got Tier Tart, who we expect to win his one-on-one -on -one fight half the time. Jeffrey Simmons, he's going to win some. Bud Dupree, he's going to win some. Nico Autry, he's going to win some. You've got four guys who on any given play it feels like a coin flip. They're going to win their one-on-one. -on -one. That's a pretty, you got more than half of your guys. You're confident somebody's going to win. And so like, that's, that is a winning recipe. When you've got four guys who as individuals, you think this is a plus player in one-on-one -on -one blocking assignment. Like it's, it's a ridiculous combination of guys. Usually you see these great defensive fronts contain, you know, a, a Max Crosby or a, uh, you know, a Jadavian Clowney and uh, uh, Miles Garrett. Like, it's not it's not ever, it very rarely, or just a Parsons. Like, rarely it is a four guys, maybe none of them are a, you know, Jeffrey Simmons the closest to a, a, a true A-list caliber NFL celebrity type. But yeah. even though none of them are the biggest household names, they all four are in that upper echelon of guys that can win one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you look at ESPN's uh, pat or not pass rush um, run stop win rate, which is one of the metrics that they track. The top ten defensive tackles in the league in that metric: Jeffrey Simmons is number three, Tara Tart is number eight. The Titans have two of the top ten run stopping defensive tackles in the league right now. So ridiculous. That pretty much tells you exactly what it is to run against the Titans right now. It's just no fun. You're not going to have a good time. And you might as well not even try, which against a team like Kansas city, maybe that doesn't matter because they're going to throw the ball anyways. They, they don't, don't really like want to run them. anyways. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's going to be an interesting test for this defense, which we'll get into more later, but um, 
against teams that want to run the ball or teams that need to run the ball, like like Houston needs to run the ball to help Davis Mills, you cannot do it. Like it's just not going to happen. Nope. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out kind of as the season goes on. Cause I, I think this run defense is going to continue to be elite. It was elite last year. I thought it was going to be elite this year. And those, those first two weeks, they kind of struggled a little bit. And I was like, I was just shocked. But I was like, I think it's going to come back. They're too talented up front, not to, not for run, run stopping to come back. And they're, they're totally back now. Yeah. Agreed. It was kind of bizarre how poorly it started, but they just, I guess, weren't awake. I don't know how else to, to quant- Saquon is a very good running back. So I don't know how else to quantify that. Here's yeah. another just blown, pl- blown up play by yeah. Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, he just takes the center and, and walks him right back directly to Davis Mills. Now, it, it is an absolute miracle for Davis Mills that he did not fumble this football because if you watch Jeffrey Simmons, he walks this ball all – he walks this center all the way back and then watch the swipe. Oh, he man. hits his wrist. Yeah. He hits his wrist. I don't know how Davis Mills got that ball away, but he Iron is grip. very, He's glued it to his very hand. lucky yeah. uh, that that was not a fumble because that, that should have been a strip sack and uh, uh, another – Another uh, feather in the cap for Jeffrey Simmons, but uh, it goes down as just an incomplete pass. Now it's not a strip, but there's a sack here. This is Jeff's one of, did he only have one sack on the day? He only had one one sack. Yeah. Yeah, But but, uh, a handful of pressures. This was the one time he did end up getting home and 54 just standing there in shame. Never had a chance. Yeah. This is one of those where it's an immediate win. You know, it's, there's not even resistance here. Like he basically just lines up and runs straight to Davis Mills um and uh, well, in the yeah. nfl one-on-one seminar if somebody raises their hand and the question is why why don't teams single block jeffrey simmons you just throw this on the screen and you say check this out right here this yeah is, i mean they didn't even there's a help guy here but he foolishly chooses to not help against simmons and 54 is left alone and things go very poorly yeah i think you know andrew adams blitzing here kind of forces that um yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a it's a nice design by the titans to kind of scheme a one-on-one uh for Simmons here but yeah it, it, anytime they can get Simmons one-on-one especially against a center because centers like there's just a lot going on mentally for centers and when you also have to then line up and block Jeffrey Simmons one-on-one really really tough ask for any center much less you know a, a below average center like uh I think that's uh one of it's one of the Questenberries I think it's Scott Questenberry I believe yeah I believe is, David is up in Buffalo f- Buffalo yeah somewhere yeah. north all right, our second to last clip here. Once again, another Simmons play where he just wreaks havoc on the uh, offensive line here. Yeah, this this one, you know, he doesn't end up getting the pressure. Like, Tier Tart uh, is really the one that, that gets in there. And frankly, like, that's, that's, or no, I'm sorry, that's, is that strong or is that Tart? I can't tell. Um, oh, that's strong. 97. That's strong. Yeah, strong. Kevin Strong. Um so Kevin Strong gets in there and frankly that is a hold all day long um as, as he's trying to get through but watch how quickly Simmons beats the guard again and like the center has no choice but to come help so I, it it just makes to where the guy playing next to to Simmons almost always is going to have a one on one uh unless you know and if he doesn't then you're in real trouble because then you've got uh Simmons one-on-one so (laughs) right right it's a great formula for the Titans right now here's our last clip once again Jeffrey Simmons they got five on the line for this one and uh yeah yeah he gets in there nearly gets a hand on the ball forces the ball out early this swim move is really what I wanted to highlight here like because it Simmons has always been powerful ever since he came in the league he was powerful he had the bull rush he was ready like he was always capable of knocking guys back but now he's got this lateral quickness that he's added to his game and I think he was part of the reason we didn't see that early on was the knee injury and him coming back from that and and kind of building back you know the the lateral ability and confidence uh to kind of push and, and go full speed off that knee but he is fully back now um and that swim move is absolutely vicious for a guy with that kind of power All right, everybody drink because Easton and Mike spent 50 minutes talking about film when they said they'd spend 30. Uh, But uh, it's kind of become the norm around here and we're happy to do it because there's there's so much to dive into. But for those of you listening and or watching for free, we have to say goodbye to you now because for some reason you've decided you are not in a financial situation to buy a Broadway Insider Pass. And I'm here to tell you you're wrong. That's a lie. Everyone can afford this because it is just the price 
of one cup of coffee a month. That's all it is. A trip to Starbucks. Take one out. It'll help you on the gut. And it'll also help you in your football intelligence because you'll get to engorge yourself with all of this fantastic content we have here. The rest of the Mike Herndon show is the first thing you're going to get off the top. You can watch the rest of this show. We've got a lot to talk about. We're only halfway through here. We've got our Malik Willis debut discussion. Going to talk about what we did and mostly what we didn't see from him last Sunday. Titans Chiefs, big game. Lot to preview there. The deadline has passed. The trade deadline has come and gone. The Titans didn't make any moves. We're going to talk a little bit about that, kind of dive into the philosophy of the front office, the decision-making behind why they didn't make a move this week. And then talking about the Titans, kind of a mid-season check-in. Where do we see this team amongst the rest of the AFC? How do we think they stack up against these other top teams? That's a fascinating discussion that's kind of going to bleed over, I think, from a little bit of uh, Twitter discussion earlier this week. I'm excited to talk about that. Then, of course, to round us out, Moneymaker Mike, still up on the year. So, hey, guess what? I'm going to tell you again, just subscribe, get the show, watch the full Mike Herndon show behind the paywall, listen to the Moneymaker Mike picks, and you're going to get refunded for the show. It's an infinite money hack. Hello. So we got picks for you there. And then the mic drop segment before we get out of here, Mike's going to lay his hottest take of the week on us, which is always fascinating and interesting and maybe a little bit crazy. All of that is yours if you become a Broadway insider today. Use code INSIDER when you sign up for the monthly subscription. Only a 99-cent charge for your first month, and then from there on out, just $6.99 a month. Again, the cost of a trip to Starbucks, or if you just want to set it and forget it, pay for a whole year. Use code ANNUAL to get $20 off your annual subscription for just $49.99 for the entire year. You get the rest of this show. You get all of our premium and early access articles. You get access to special fantasy groups and chats. A lot of things coming down the pipe that we are excited to offer to our premium insiders. And it also helps us keep the lights on and keep giving y'all all this great content. So it means a lot to us. So if you're an insider, hang tight. We're about to get into all of the good, tasty insider bits of the show. If you're not, go sign up right now and come back and watch the rest. We'll talk to you later.